Are you ready for the end of the world? This is Your Community Spirit, the show about caring, sharing, and preparing for the changes needed in the world as we know it. Let's bring back the circle again. Circle of family, circle of friends, circle of being. Wake up! And be healthy and therefore wealthy to the peace and joy of Mother Earth. You are listening to Your Community Spirit on Your Community Radio in Your Community. Good Let's deal. bring the community together because it's something community. Unity. <laughs> I was trying to think, you know. Let's come, some... come to unity. There yeah. you go. Let's come to unity in this community. <laughs> there you go. Um, especially in this, um, what is it, anniversary of trying to bring the community back together. Mm. Now, I don't know if you were aware of it, but it's kind of a, a quiet part of the you know, the Voting Rights Act that Native Americans got the right to vote also. Yeah. At that time, they had no rights at all because, of course, Native Americans aren't U.S. citizens. But the U.S. policy affects them greatly. So it was like they got the right to vote at that same time. Yeah. Of course, you know, years later, they're a very small minority, so they still don't affect policy very much, but I don't know if you know this, but in Pine Ridge Indian Reservation in South Dakota, it is the lowest life expectancy in um, what do you call it? The Americas. Yeah. Haiti is um, right below us. Mm. So literally, in the United States of America, we have a life expectancy of 47. Still. Yeah, still. That's no. pretty rough. A lot. Of, I think I know. I do know about that. I know. I didn't know the exact number, but I know a lot of people in the U.S. aren't aware of that. So, it is good to bring it up on this day. All right. All right. So yeah, let's get to some of the news for the day. Uh, this is. You may have heard about this. In the news, the sun is out. Yeah, in the news, the sun is out. It's, it's I didn't even double clap. Yeah, <laughs> and it's above freezing. It's a little bit different weather here than it is out on the East Coast. I think. Uh, but it's, yeah, nice, sunny, but freezing. Uh, and here's our news. The Senate approves Keystone. And here's why that doesn't matter. <laughs> what? Okay. I was like, I, I, yeah, okay. Yeah. So the U.S. Senate just voted 62 to 36 to pass a bill that would force approval of the Keystone XL pipeline. All Republicans voted for it, and nine Democrats joined in, making for enough votes to overcome the potential threat of a filibuster. Wait, doesn't it not matter because they're already pumping it through another pipeline? Oh, well, that's part of why it doesn't matter. They don't go into that in this article. Oh, okay. I mean, <laughs> Keystone is one of several things. They're it, just trying to make the pipeline straighter. Yeah. Because right now we have the that tar sands oils going through the pipeline right here in Illinois. Yeah. Because it's, um, I forget, I think it's Marissa where they have the tanks. Yeah, there's somewhere near here. There's a leg of the uh, pipeline already that does that. But uh, here's a quote from one of the Senate's biggest climate hawks, Senator Barbara Boxer, who, of course, opposed the bill. Quote, this is the only time in history of the Senate that we have given such a big hug and kiss to a company, any private company, American or foreign. Now, I don't know if that's well, necessarily Well, I mean, I was, you know? was going to say, like... Congress gives away a lot of... <laughs> but, I mean, it is a big, big one, deal. Though, yeah. I mean, it's one of the biggest ones, I would say. I mean, basically, we're giving a, uh, permission to a company to pump... You know, tar sand oil from Canada through our country to the Gulf to, you know, ship it out around to the other side of the world. Yeah. 
So, you know, we get no benefit at all. Yeah, we no just benefits. get a pipeline full of oil going through our country. Yeah, there's very few even temporary jobs, you know. There may be a few temporary jobs, but it's it, relative to all of the lands that are being violated and the pollution that's going to happen and the indigenous rights that are being violated. I mean, it's 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 a gift to these companies. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, I mean, it's But why dire. doesn't it not matter? Well, it's it's pretty dire because if if it stays as things are now, then it will go through. But remember that this doesn't mean Keystone is going to get built. Obama has made it clear that he will veto the bill, and there aren't enough votes in the Senate to override his veto. Uh, so here's what's going to happen now: is the Senate version of the bill will get reconciled with the House version. It'll go to Obama's desk, and he'll put a big old veto stamp on it, explaining that the decision is his to make, not Congress's. And then the Republicans will stomp their feet and whine about how Obama is a dirty tree hugger who wants to crush the U.S. economy. Even though this pipeline would actually, you know, is trying to crush the economy. Oh, I wouldn't. How would, how would the pipeline crush our economy? Well, climate change. <laughs> oh, well, there's that. That's long term. But we're thinking short term here. Short term, here. yeah. In extreme short term, wouldn't it create jobs? I mean. Well, a few. I mean, let's see. Well, the pipe, the, the pipes are made. Okay. They're not made in the U.S. <laughs> Um, the jobs are the most dangerous jobs in America. A lot of people die. Yeah. Wasn't there some huh. estimate of like 40, like the whole thing might make 40 or 50 temporary jobs? Like, really? I, I That's remember, it? There was some estimates saying how they Well, I mean, to... they're, they are using just big machines. I mean, yeah. it's not like, I mean, you know, digging a ditch and dropping a pipe in a ditch is not <laughs> that difficult. Yeah. It doesn't matter what size it is. It's just bigger equipment. Yeah. And the industry makes all these estimates of, oh, this is going to create hundreds of thousands. It will create hundreds of jobs because they'll have to hire a lot more people to protect the pipeline from the protesters who are going to try to stop it. Yeah. (laughs) So, yes, it will create, you know, hundreds of more jobs in private, what is that? Private security, like Blackwater and... It'll create environmental remediation jobs when the oil spills and they gotta clean it up. Yeah, but it's not oil, remember? Oh yeah. Remember what happened in, was it Ohio? Where it, it, it came out. Yeah. And like went into a subdivision and none of those people, because there's an actual fund that companies have to put in in case there's oil spill. It's essentially assurance. But when that tar sands oil popped up in that subdivision, I mean, I've seen videos of it, yeah. and it's just... It's like this, a, a monster. It's yeah, like a it's horror just, video. It's just like it's this black, black oil just comes gooing out and sp- spreading the neighborhood. through. <laughs> and um, the company is claiming that it's not oil. Yeah. And therefore, they don't, the, they don't have to pay. Yeah. And so, I mean, that's been like at least a year now, right? I mean... Yeah. <laughs> so, and for that matter... I'm gonna, I bring it up regularly. XN still has not paid for the Exxon Valdez oil spill in 1989. Yeah, we're still waiting on that. So, yes. (laughs) It will, it will create a bunch of lawyer jobs and jobs for people protecting the company's right to build the pipeline. Yeah. (laughs) Alright, so yes, it will create a bunch of jobs. Yeah, so if those are the kind of jobs we want to create in this country. That's what Keystone XL is doing. I think there are better jobs that we can create than that if we put our minds. Yeah, but come on, you're not a politician. (laughs) Yeah. You know, politicians 
Um, I just saw a comic where three guys, each one had their heads in the other person's underwear. Yeah. <laughs> in a, a circle, you know, so. That's yeah, the politicians. <laughs> you know. So, I mean, there is also a lengthy review right now going through. The Obama administration has is continuing a review of Keystone. The State Department is spearheading that review, and it's given eight other agencies until February 2nd to offer their feedback. Yeah. So. I still think the lengthy review is kind of a, a kind of a cop-out. You know, I mean, it's good that it's delaying the process, but does it really take this long to figure out that Keystone XL is a bad idea? <laughs> I mean, I guess... Well, I, guess I mean, so. for money, it's not a bad idea. For money point of view... For the Canadian oil companies, yeah. <laughs> you know, they stand, up, they stand to make a bunch of money. So, yes, from a money point of view and from the politicians, you know. They stand they, to make a lot of money, too. Yeah, the I mean, they've, they've already received all that money and, you know, they can't say no because they've already received all that money from the oil company. Yeah. I wonder if they can count that in the uh, environmental impact statement being like, you know, well, millions of dollars of donations will be generated for politicians by this pipeline. <laughs> Okay, I haven't read this article, but the title of this article says, Now is the time to invest in solar, because people are stupid. <laughs> yeah, it's it's one of those clickbait titles. Like, <laughs> just like it's If you're thinking of investing in solar energy companies now, maybe a good time to buy. Most of the publicly traded solar companies have seen their stock prices decline by as much as 10 to 20% over the last three months. Solar City... A residential and commercial supplier has dipped from $54 to $49 per share. First Solar, which makes utility-scale projects, dropped from $56 to $43. And panel manufacturers Jinko Solar and Solar World are down $23 to $18 per share and $14 to $12 respectively. Now, normally declining stock prices would reflect weak growth or shaky outlook for an industry. But solar energy is growing by leaps and bounds. In the first three quarters of 2014, almost 4,000 megawatts of solar capacity were installed in the U.S., compared to 2,600 megawatts in the first three quarters of 2013. Mm -hmm. Not quite double, but um, solar deployment is not only expanding, but the pace at which it's growing keeps accelerating. Now, in a little editorial comment, this year, the federal tax credit is set to expire. Mm -hmm. It's a 30% federal tax credit. Yeah. So this year will have the greatest growth ever of any year just because of that. Yeah. I mean, some people thought last year, because it said tax credit expires 2015. Yeah. And some people thought it was the end of last year. Yeah, but it's the end of this year. It's the end of this year. And so last year, fourth quarter, so they haven't even talked about fourth quarter. They're talking about the first three quarters. Yeah. Now, if you look at fourth quarter, which comes out in like 15 days, I know just based on my business how crazy it was to get equipment, the shortage equipment, the people scrambling to put stuff in at the last end of the year. Yeah. So um, if this is the last year of the tax credit, this is going to be like a feeding frenzy. Well, it's it's not the last year of the tax credit. It goes from 30% to the default, which is 10%. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. But that's a big difference. Yeah. And um, now, will they allow the tax credit to expire? Probably, because there's historical... Um, they did that in the wind industry. Mm. They let the tax credit for wind expire for almost eight months. And it 
basically, you know, all the wind projects had to, that were in the pipeline had to stop, and the wind industry, you know, five years later still hasn't recovered. Yeah. Because, you know, it, um, anyway. Now, why aren't solar stock prices keeping pace? Because American investors are uninformed, apparently. It turns out that the free market and its crowdsource opinions are not always so wise after all. Hmm. Energy industries... Um, now, one of the reasons is solar energy is an energy. Hmm. And historically, it has been tied to the price of oil and the price of coal. Yeah. Because those are much bigger. And so, you know, as the price of oil has gone down, solar stocks have gone down mm. in value. Yeah. <laughs> Even though the demand for solar is going up, they're tied together for some reason. Yeah. And and it's starting to break off because it used to be like the price dipped 20%. The solar stocks dropped 20%. But obviously it didn't drop that much in correlation. But still. Yeah. People are assuming that because oil is going down, well, all of the, all the energy is going to go down. When it's, it's kind of the opposite in this case. <laughs> now, if oil competed with solar, this would be bad news. Yeah. But oil doesn't compete with solar energy at all. Oil is used for one thing, transportation. Yeah. Only like 1% of oil is actually used domestically for home energy. Yeah. And that's for heating in like the Northeast. Yeah, a little bit of heating. Like, I mean, and maybe if you've got a backup generator, it might have like gasoline. Oh, gasoline, right. So if the power goes out, you might use a little bit. Right. <laughs> but not usually. So why is solar in any way hooked to the price of oil? It is. Oil is the world's largest energy and solar is considered an energy. Yeah. So, I mean, this seems like, you know, one of those opportunities to take advantage of the the foolishness of some other investors and be like, well, this is a really valuable right now, and so invest in it now while it's cheap and it'll yeah. go up. <laughs> yeah, I mean, solar energy should be tied to the price of natural gas and coal, mm -hmm. which is where we make electricity. Yeah. <laughs> but for some reason, solar is tied to the price of oil. Yeah. <laughs> which has nothing to do with one another. Yeah. Because, I mean, you see this pretty often. It's like, you know, um, what was it? Like oil addicts, they're like, you know, get off of oil, go solar. They have nothing to do with each other. Yeah. <laughs> Just like, but anyway, um, now one green tech sector that would be hurt by, of course, low oil prices is electric cars and like, you know, the transportation clean car industry. Yeah. I could see that connection. That right. actually makes sense, but for, for solar, it doesn't seem like it makes sense. So investors are just making a mistake. Yeah. So, so the solar decline isn't entirely due to cluelessness. There are actually some threats to the solar market on the horizon. Dirty energy interests and pro-fossil fuel politicians are threatening to kneecap the solar industry just as it's getting up and running. Yeah. Um, in Arizona, they, um, if you wanted to hook to the so your solar to the grid, they wanted you to pay fifty dollars a month, yeah. which is about what you know um, the average solar system they install there saved. Yeah. Um, the small residential lease systems, they've lowered it to five dollars a month, mm -hmm. and people are like, oh, phew, we got away from the fifty dollars. <laughs> 
they're still charging you five dollars a month to make your own electricity in your own home. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's a nice little trick that they play there to pull out, put out a really big number and then scare people and say, "Oh, here's only five dollars," and they're like, "Well, only five dollars a month for c- creating your own energy." So most likely investors are confused rather than far-sighted. But yeah, this is a very interesting article. I wish, well, I don't really wish because anytime I have extra money, mm. I invest it in my own company. <laughs> just like, <laughs> yeah, just like. I mean, there's that. I mean, and is it is it possible for people who don't usually buy stocks to buy like one stock of something? Oh yeah, <laughs> you buy like, mean, one stock of these solar companies. Yeah, I mean, um, what was there? There's there is this trend of people who are buying um, pollution credits, mm. and I mean, a pollution credit is. There's so many pollution credits out there that, you know, a company is allowed to pollute so much. Yeah. Hmm. And they buy and sell these pollution credits. So, like, if you pollute less, you can sell that pollution credit to someone else who could pollute more. But some environmental organizations are buying those pollution credits and taking them off the market. Yeah, so nobody can... So the value of pollution credits are going up (laughs) because there's less of them. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, anyway, there are people who buy, like, one stock just so they could go and and talk at the annual meeting yeah. of a company. Like you could buy one Exxon stock. And right, like, and then you have the right to show up at the meeting and you know voice your opinion of what Exxon does because you are an owner. Yeah. And if you get enough of them, you know, so. In this case, though, you buy one solar stock and you'd go to the meeting and be like, hooray for solar. <laughs> Just Good luck against Alec. You can, you can fight him off. <laughs> Just like. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean... I was recently talking to somebody about um, investing in solar, and they're like, they were a stockbroker, and they're like, no, it's just going down. Yeah. And I was trying to explain this, so I'll. This is a good article. I share it with them. I've been sharing them like regularly because there's a bunch of articles right now. Yeah. Well, um, it's funny. It should be easy for a stockbroker to understand if they understand the, you know, the, uh, the fact that it's a separate industry because in stocks you want to buy low and sell high. So, right. You know. Once you understand that the two industries are separate, it makes sense. Well, and you also want to buy in an industry where it fluctuates. Yeah. And solar has been very, very volatile. I mean, it's literally every year, you know, there's like, it's completely a boom and bust industry. Yeah. It's like, you know, there's nothing that makes it so it gets its feet yet. Mm. It is mainstream in a lot of places, places, but it's still, I mean... I don't know if you know this though. Renewable energy has broke the 13% mark in the U.S. Oh, there you go. <laughs> which is phenomenal compared to Germany's 24%. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like, Maybe hey, wait a second. Germany up. doesn't have as much sun as we yeah. do. They don't have nearly as much sun or as much land. <laughs> they have no natural resources. How do they have more renewable energy than we do? Hard work. <laughs> <laughs> just. Like... <laughs> All right, so. Uh... This map is bad news for the Midwest. Now, we can't beam it to you through the radio waves. Well, uh, we could. Your brain probably couldn't decode it if we did. I don't know. We always say see you on the radio. So can you see this map right now? Can you now? see this map? Maybe if we really concentrate. Uh, so, yeah. But so this map basically... Uh, well, if you want us to send you the map, send us an email, info at yourcommunityspirit.org. Well, we should, probably should tell them what the map is before we tell them, <laughs> yeah. do you want it? Do you even want it? Yeah. I mean, you can just take a... Yeah, why would you want a bad news map? Yeah. This is the sort of map where you can tell at a glance, even if you don't read the labels, you're like, okay, wait, everything's suddenly turning red. <laughs> just like... So... So basically the Midwest is embarrassed? Yeah. The Midwest is very embarrassed. 
The ongoing drought in California has been, among other things, a powerful lesson in how vulnerable America's agricultural sector is to climate change. Even if that drought in particular wasn't specifically caused by human-made global warming, scientists have little doubt that droughts and heat waves are going to get more frequent and severe in the important crop-growing regions. In California, the cost in 2014 was staggering. $2.2 billion in losses and added expenses, plus 17,000 lost jobs. Oh, wait a second. You said lost jobs? Yeah. So climate change... Snap. <laughs> we don't care about climate change, but lost jobs... Lost jobs. That's listen. an issue. <laughs> yeah. Because those people make trouble. They don't have jobs. They don't have anything to distract them. Yeah. <laughs> they will go out and protest. <laughs> or, or they'll, like, get, you know, take money from hard-working Americans. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, 70,000 lost jobs from one drought. So imagine if we have a lot of them. So California is in a country, is the country's hubs for fruits, veggies, and nuts. Isn't hub supposed to be the center? Yeah. They're on the side. How are they the center? They radiate all the highways, (laughs) send out all those fruits. They're a hub going one direction. Yeah. But so the commodity grains grown in the Midwest, where the U.S. produces over half its corn and soy, uh, what about them? That's the subject of a new report by the Climate Research Group, headed by former New York Mayor Michael Bloomberg, former U.S. Treasury Secretary Henry Paulson, and billionaire environmentalist Tom Steyer, who recently shut down rumors that he might run for the Senate. The report is all about climate impacts expected in the Midwest. The big takeaway is that future generations have lots of sweaty summers in store. No, I hate sweaty summers. Yeah. Sweaty winters I can handle, but yeah, sweaty, sweaty summer? summers, oh. it's just too much. The average Chicago resident is expected to experience more days over 95 degrees Fahrenheit by the century's end than the average Texan does today. Wow. Think about that. Like Chicago I, might go like... Chicago is going to be like Dallas. <laughs> imagine all those Chicagoans walking around wearing big hats to stay cool. Yeah. That would be hilarious. Yeah. Oh, well, funny. there's more important stuff to think about, but that yeah. would be... That'd be pretty crazy. And, you know, it'll be probably humid still, too, so it'll be a bad heat. Oh, yeah. I mean, they're right next to a lake. Yeah. So the port also predicts that electricity prices will increase with potential ramifications for the region's manufacturing sector and that beloved winter sports like ice fishing will become harder to do. But some of the most troublesome findings are about agriculture. There are, now, there are some places that may fare slightly better than others, like northern Minnesota. It'll be a little warmer. Maybe they'll grow a few more things. But overall, the report says that extreme heat, scarcer water resources, and weed and insect invasion, the bugs are coming to get you. It will drive down corn and soybean yields by 11 to 69% by the century's end. So in 2100, you know, there might be like 69% less corn in the Midwest. So basically... Oh, I can't say that on the air. <laughs> Just like, <laughs> yeah. I almost said it. A lot of, a lot of profanities are, are going to be uttered in the Midwest over the next century. And, well, mutual 69. Yeah. Yeah, because... I mean, even if, you know, whatever crop you have of choice that you favor, like, even if it's only, like, 40, 50 percent, like, imagine half of the crops that we grow in this area are just gone. I mean, um. I don't want to imagine that. Why are you putting these bad images in my mind? Yeah. I mean, I mean why? I mean, why are you bringing up things bringing up? that, you know, there's nothing I can do about it? Yeah. Well, there's still time to do something about it. Really? So yeah. Like, if you look at the map for today, 
It's it's more in the orange zone. If you look for 2100, it's All right, aren't you glad it's not red? <laughs> yeah. So we might keep it to orange if we change our act. And it's not... Some of that is with, you know, reducing our fossil fuel emissions, but some is also, like, preparing, like, realizing our water is going to be scarce and not wasting it on random things, like fracking, for example. Uh-huh. And eating locally. Yeah, eating so. local is another big way to help. Yeah, I mean, that would be big, because then you're not, you know... You know where your food comes from. It's not being transported long distances. Yeah. And then hopefully you'll be getting stuff that grows, well, in season. Yeah. So. Uh, we're running short on time here. We've got... To, do people still have answer machines? Because hmm. today is National Inane Answer Machine Day. <laughs> yeah. So. Well, people have voicemail, so maybe you can do an inane voicemail message. <laughs> Saturday is Backward Day. And inspire your heart with art day. Backward day. It's Yad Drakwa. I'm trying to say it backwards. It's like Harry Carey here. He used to do that. Inspire your heart with art day. So normally art inspires your heart. No, that's the same thing. Yeah. Oh, and Sunday is National Freedom Day. I wonder why. I that's, thought Fourth of July was National Freedom Day. Well, that's the the first was what they've been talking about is when the sit down. Oh, happened. there you go. Maybe that's why it's National Freedom Day. That's a bigger commemoration of freedom. <laughs> they have a day. Tuesday is the day the music died. What? <laughs> they have a day they picked. Yeah. <laughs> that's because Buddy Holiday, Richie Valiance, and Big Bopper died in a plane crash in 1959. Yeah, and they've got a song about it too. And Wednesday is Creative Vacuum Day and Thank a Mailman Day, a mail carrier, I would say. <laughs> Thursday is National Weatherman's Day. So does that, they take the day off? <laughs> yeah, maybe they take the day off. Uh, well, I mean, what do they write, 25% of the time? Or, so it's pretty <laughs> yeah. much they take every day off. They take the day off, they ask the groundhog what the weather is <laughs> going to be like for the next few weeks. <laughs> so we are wrapping up January, otherwise known as National Hot tea, hot soup, oatmeal, and other just general warm thoughts month, right? Yeah. We're starting American Heart Month, Black History Month, Canned Food Month, and Great American Pie Month. Mm -hmm. And so I did want to mention as part of Black History Month, SIU has their schedule for Black History Month online already at inclusiveexcellence.siu.edu. So you can look at the whole month of Black History Month schedule of a lot of the happenings. Yeah, they've got a lot of happenings going on there. So so let's see, some other happenings we've got. It's the Groundhog Revival Singers Showcase. Now this is a brand new event from Cousin Andy's. It's, this uh, is hilarious. <laughs> it's like ten different local musicians... Playing each other's songs. Hmm. I mean, I'm sure they're going to play. Well, there's no way that all ten of them could play <laughs> their own songs. Yeah. But I heard that there's, what do you call it? Um, essentially, it's improv, right? Yeah, there's a lot. There's going to be an improv aspect to it because they must... Uh, well, each is going to play two or three songs just to start with. And then they each must spin the infamous Wheel of Misfortune. And roll the die of despair. <laughs> so the first one is what unfamiliar song they could sing, and then the die will tell them what key to sing it in. <laughs> yeah. So, like, it could be a key that they've never sang in. Yeah. 
That's pretty exciting. I don't know. That sounds horrible. <laughs> well, just it'll like, be entertaining. I mean, you get like, two or three of their regular songs, and then you get to have some laughs while they... Well, I, karaoke generally, well, I don't want to hurt everybody's feelings, <laughs> but generally is not sung by singers. Yeah. Right? It'll be interesting to hear, you so know, professional singers. Here's karaoke being sung by professional singers. Yeah. And I mean, even In professional singers. In a different singers, key, though, than they're yeah. used to. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, unless Freddie Mercury is there, he had like four or five keys he could sing in. But most singers, they've got a range of a few, you know, so they might be out of their element. So that's tonight, 7 to 11 p.m. at the Church of the Good Shepherd. And that is Cousin Andy's Concert Series Benefit Show. Yeah. And that'll be a good time. I'm looking forward to that tonight. Every Saturday, the Carbondale Community Farmers Market at the Carbondale Community High School I love saying community. Come <laughs> to unity, right? Yeah. Now, Saturdays 9 until noon, again, at the Carbondale Community High School. Believe it or not, it might be winter, but there is greens, Ooh. fresh greens. But you must come early. They go fast. Yeah, I'll but they don't come early. Oh, wait. This week, I'm actually teaching a solar class at Johnny Logan. Oh, okay. And so feel free to come early because I won't be able to come. <laughs> yeah, or yeah. won't be there for the green, so you can come early this week. <laughs> so the last Saturday of every month, I'm teaching solar knowledge for beginners at Johnny Logan. Oh, there you and go. So February, uh, January 31st, February 28th, March 28th, and April 25th. Um, you can just go to Johnny Logan's website, Continuing Education, or you can show up Saturday in Building H, that's the building around back. It's the I've forgotten now what the it's called. The secret headquarters. <laughs> yeah, well, it's where they're building trades. You know, all the um, occupational jobs. Yeah, there you, you know, go. So, um, the continuing education. So, if you are interested in installing solar or um, want to learn how to install solar. Yeah. This is um, solar knowledge for beginners, and it's your chance to learn from Danny Jimon himself. <laughs> Who's that? Oh, wait. <laughs> <laughs> Who's that guy? Well, here's a here's a be still my heart. This is an event after my own heart. It's the Chocolate Festival. It's a benefit for the Women's Center. Oh, it's coming up on Friday. Two February good things 6th. at once. You get to have chocolate and help the Women's Center. Yeah, that's a great day. That's I love events like that. Well, this year it's a great two days. The Chocolate Festival is an annual benefit for the Women's Center. Enjoy chocolate and support a good cause. But this year, there will be two events. On Friday, there's the Taste of Chocolate, which features live and silent auctions along with a buffet of sweets. So this is next Friday. Yeah, not this Friday, but next Friday. So mark your calendar, yeah. Yeah, it's a buffet of sweet and savory chocolate delights. Ooh, it's very rare do you get savory chocolate. Yeah, I like savory chocolate. You get to find out what it tastes like if you go to the event. So uh, next Friday... It's uh, the Taste of Chocolate. The next Saturday is the new events, the Walk Off the Chocolate event. <laughs> you eat all that chocolate Friday night. Yeah, b- blood pressure checks, this is, you know, because, I mean, eating chocolate is very exciting. Yeah. So you don't <laughs> want to get your blood pressure too high. Yeah. You know, so, so they check out your try blood to bring pressure, it back down. Yeah. <laughs> Some stress screenings. You'll probably be pretty relaxed after that evening. Yeah. Chair massages and a bouncy house for the kids, too. Why does it? I, why does it always have to be just for the kids? <laughs> yeah. they, they never have a bouncy house for adults. Yeah, we need a bouncy house for adults too. But uh, so that's mark your calendar for next Friday. Um, but before then, Transpoetic Playground mm-hmm. on Tuesday at eight p.m. at the Gaia House Interface Center. Yeah, it's it's every other week, right? Yeah, it's every. It's the first and third Tuesdays there. 
And it's been growing pretty strong there. It started last semester that it moved to that new location at Kai House. And feel free to bring snacks and drinks and stuff because it's a fun time around, uh, well, it's winter now, so it's around the fire, right? Yeah. yeah. So. And we've got time for one last one here. It's the Standing on the Side of Love Vigil. It's coming up on not this Saturday, but next Saturday, February 7th, at noon at the Town Square Pavilion. Standing on the Side of Love Vigil will take place the next Saturday. And the theme is Standing on the Side of Love. It relates to anticipated Supreme Court of the United States decision in June on marriage equality. Sponsored by a lot of local groups, Peace Coalition, the Covenants Committee of the Church of the Good Shepherd, and the Rainbow Cafe. And we'll talk about it again next week. Now, do mark your calendar for February 11th for the International Food Fair and February 13th for the International Culture Fair. And we'll try to make sure we talk about that more next week. Yes. And um, in honor of my solar classes, I brought some solar stickers in. Plug into renewable energy, and renewable energy is the way to get energized. I'll leave them on the counter here if someone wants to come in and grab one. So It's a good deal. Stay energized. That was fun one. Yeah, that was a good one. See you next week on the radio. Hey, another show started stealing that. Oh, did they? Yeah, there's there's another show that they say that now too. Well, I they don't have seem words. to realize. <laughs> yeah. we, we trademarked it, I guess. No, they could they can share it. I'll let. <laughs> the more people you see on the radio, the better.